off the Sakarma podcast. This time round I'm joined by Jenny Williams who is a cyber protect officer for the police force. Hi Jenny. Hi Paul, you okay? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure, a pleasure. So we start this the same way we start with everybody. I ask you to tell me a little bit about yourself, what your career path has been and then we'll talk about the work that you're currently doing. So um, I Left. I went to school, obviously, and then I That's left. It's a legal requirement, yes. <laughs> yeah, just in case you weren't sure. <laughs> um, and then I went to sixth form. I was a bit naughty and started sagging sixth form. And my mum caught me and she said, you've got a month to get a job. And if you don't get a job, you will stay in sixth form and complete it. So, so you it. didn't finish sixth form? So we didn't finish this sixth form. This is a form. repeated thing with everybody we have on. Oh, really? That at some point, maybe university, maybe even school, but at some point, education, traditional education has failed them in yeah. some kind of way. Yeah, I think I chose the wrong um, things to study. I just went a little bit crazy and just, like, I did drama and um, sociology, I think it was, and I just I just didn't like it. Um, so, yeah, dro- dropped out, I found myself a job, and I was an administrator in a um, MVQ training provider um, in Liverpool City Centre, and I really enjoyed it. I made some great friends there. They worked us really hard, so I felt like they did give me a really good worth ethic. Um, My mum is a police officer, so she was in the police and a job as a researcher came up within Merseyside Police. And um, so after four years of being with the MVQ training provider, I got a job as a researcher in Merseyside Police. What Um, were you researching, if you can tell um, us? So I was in Special Branch, so I was doing like counter-terrorism stuff, doing research there. Um, And I really enjoyed that again, made some lovely friends. And then from there, I moved into the high-tech crime unit within Merseyside Police again. Um, And it was there that I started enjoying the computer side of things, really. I was always the one to turn to in in most of my jobs of who who can use Excel, who's good at Word. And I can pick them things up quite quickly. So it was always me, but when it joined the high-tech crime unit, well, that was a different level, working with the absolute geeky gods um, of Merseyside Police, which was fab. Um, so within there, I was started off as doing an administrator role. Then I started doing a little bit of um, computer forensics. Right. I did exhibit management as well. Um, and then that led into the job that I'm currently in now. Okay, so talk me around the decision of moving to the high-tech crime unit. You're quite happy as a researcher. I mean, the, I imagine the counterterrorism special brand stuff is very really? scary, but very interesting and rewarding at the same time. Yeah. So, wh- where did the desire for for the move come from? I think I'm more of a hands-on person. So, I, um, whilst I really did enjoy being an intelligence researcher, I got a little bit bored after a while, just going trolling intelligence and things. And I do prefer more practical things to do and knowing the high tech crime unit I could further my computer skills and it was that more practical thing that I just thought oh well I'll give that a try. Um, Is that the, the pra- a practical thing as in a hands-on thing or a, or a thing that you can have control over and see the end result of? A bit of both really. Um, I, I, when I joined the high tech crime unit the, the role had been 
that I, I went to do had been vacant for a number of months, so I got to create my own role, basically, um, and was able That's to... That's quite of, unique when yeah. things like the police force where the roles are quite defined. Yeah, um, because it was more of an administrat- administrative role. Um, I was able to sort of design things to make the office better um, and come up with better ideas on how to do things as a fresh pair of eyes. And I suppose being an intelligence researcher, that really helped as well because I had that sort of strategic sort of background. Take those skills across. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So how, um, how new was the high-tech crime unit at that time? How, how long had it been going for? Um, it had been going for quite a few years, but it was still really in its infancy. There wasn't that many staff there um, and it was we were still at the point of trying to get management to understand how big cybercrime was going to go and how much work the, the unit was going to have to be expand and take on and um, especially with processing powers and having to get bigger computers to mm-hmm. do turn over a lot more of the work and things that was quite difficult to do and trying to get senior management who didn't really understand the computer side of things um, to to get that buy-in that way as well, which which was difficult and we had many challenges doing that. Yeah, I mean, full disclosure, I've told you this before, it's okay for me to say it. I spent a bit of time with the Scottish Police, Police Scotland, yeah. and, and they've had s- similar issues and yeah. they're quite open about talking about yeah. it. That, you know, um, two issues, let me tell you the two issues that... They told me, again, it's okay to talk about it because it's, yeah. it's not a secret. No. Um, the two kind of issues that they always said that they that they came up against when I was chatting to them was, um, one, retaining the technical staff yeah. because the technical staff are on the kind of public sector salary scale. Yeah. So they would get really good technical people, but frankly they weren't paying them the rates that they could get out in commerce. And just when they got them to the point that they knew absolutely what they were doing... They would quite often leave and then they would have to start again. Yeah. And the other thing that I didn't realise, I always found interesting, and maybe it's different in your police force, um, was a lot of the people that started it, um, the officers that started it, were, you know, they were detectives, they were from CID, they had an interest in computing and cybercrime, but, you know, really they were chasing traditional bad guys. Yeah. So they were... They had really good investigative and interrogation skills, but they didn't have that kind of huge breadth of awareness of of cybercrime and how sometimes it can be very subtle and, you know, just, again, the sheer scale of it. You know, one time they... Nah, well, we're not going into details, but one time they showed me all the targeted phishing attacks that they had to deal with, and it was just pages upon pages upon pages. And I said, how do you, how do you deal with that? It, it's honestly so hard and I, I feel that I've been in quite a privileged role really from starting the high-tech crime unit to watching the progression mm-hmm. over the, the, the years really um, because I went through a phase where officers thought it was funny to say, well, I don't know what Facebook is, as you know, and make a joke of, oh, I don't know what the internet is and things like that, to the full circle of, you can't say that anymore. You've got to know what it is. You, If you're investigating it, you need to, to look into it. And I think in Merseyside Police High Tech Crime Unit, they were quite lucky because they got officers into that unit who were 
interested in yeah. computers. So and they... how, where, where are they on the scale? Because I always felt, and I think Police Scotland does this now, that they realise that, yeah, OK, having detectives in and then training them in cyber was, was, it was the only option at that point in time yeah. to make a, a tier of, of higher-level management. I think now they kind of have a fast-track route in so people can almost specialise. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and it was just literally the adverts that go out and if you had a bit of technical knowledge, you were allowed to go into that unit. And thankfully, the the officers that went into the unit were passionate about it, so they'd go home and they'd research things. Yeah, and that's, what I, that's what I found as well. And sometimes yeah. they'd send me a message and ask me a question. And after you get the odd question couple of questions a month, you know, it was getting to the point where like, oh, these, they really know what they're talking about now. They've, yeah. they've come on so far. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it, it's so important to have now when you recruit to coming in um, that they have that cyber awareness. And a lot of the questions that officers are getting asked are about social media things and anything internet-y based and they need to, to be aware of the threats and know what advice to give. And that's just the officers kind of on the street, so yeah, to speak, isn't yeah. it? You know, And it's I would imagine that it's not just, you know, the officers in the high-tech crime unit that get asked these questions. I mean, it's got to, there's got the police themselves, your standard on-the-beat police officer, probably gets asked these kind of questions an awful lot, don't they? Definitely. Um, and as a... I'd probably say 90% of crimes that are reported have got some sort of computer, internet, some element that still needs investigating. And that's a problem to the sheer volume of it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Everyone's got a phone, everyone's got a laptop, everyone's got about five devices associated with them. Yeah. And if all crime has, you know, when people say crime has a cyber element, I don't think they realise that taking a phone off a person and using it as evidence... That is not a quick point-and-click do the forensics, you know. That's quite an involved task. And if every crime, every fight or five people on the street have a phone and you're taking the phones off them, suddenly you're drowning in phones. Yeah, definitely. And even as a as a mem- as taking myself out of my role as a member of the public and you have to report a crime and you and the, the officers are saying, well, we're taking your phone off you, you could have that phone taken off you for absolutely months because of waiting times and um, how much work goes into looking into to what that device holds and pulling the, the um, evidence off it. Oh, yeah, I mean, I've seen it. I've used the software. It's just It doesn't just automatically do it for you. No, it doesn't. It gets it off and it... Hashes it all and makes it evidence that's solid, yeah. but then somebody still has to go through and yeah. figure out what's going on. It is just a minefield, the amount of devices. So um, the high-tech crime units, they, the, the geeky gods in there, they created... So um, what do you call them? Yeah, to all geeky gods, yeah. <laughs> I think it's cool to be a geek these officer, days. Officer geeky god. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it is now cool. It is, it is cool. <laughs> All the people that bullied me at school are just <laughs> yeah. regretting not being nice to me now. Yes, they are. It is so cool. And like, we sometimes say it and I see people look like a bit, oh, why are you saying geeky gods? And I'm like, because it's so cool to be that. That's what you want to be. Everyone, if you are known as a geeky god, you must be earning loads of money. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they put together, because it was, you know, new to officers when they were going into crime scenes, what to look for, to look for USB sticks, to look for hard drives. Yeah, yeah. If a computer's still on, don't turn it off. We want to get that evidence but, off Do you know what? I wanted to get to that point, but let's, yeah, let's stop and give people bits of advice. Yeah. Right. Number one, do not turn the device off. Yeah. Number two, contact 
the police, you can give me the advice now to do that. Yeah. Number three, if possible, isolate that device. So if you have to turn the router off that it's connected to, that, but it's more important what's on the device. Yeah. And then there's a thing called a Faraday cage that people mm-hmm. come along with. It's basically just a mesh of metal. And the advice that I was always given is, if it's really serious, it's going to sound nuts, but you can put it in an oven or you can put it in a microwave yeah. and that will make a suitable temporary... Faraday cage. Yeah. Do not, folks at home, go sticking your phones in the microwave because I said that to do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm That's in extreme situations. <laughs> yes. Now, I'm going to ask you a question I've never known the answer to. So it, might, it might be a hard one. I know, it's it might, might be a secret sure that you can't tell me. But if, if we assume that everyone's drowning in phones, right? Yeah. And we assume that those phones shouldn't be turned off, does that mean that there is a room in a police station somewhere? It's just full of phones connected to a power supply. <laughs> how, how does that work practically? It's very, very hard. And there is um, different legislation on what to do, depending on the crimes, really. Mm-hmm. Um, because there was a, a stage where we'd say, just put them into aeroplane mode, because you didn't still want people texting and phoning that, because you've seized it, and that looks like it's all coming. Well, if someone can connect back to it, then yeah, they can tamper and, and, with it. Yeah, and um, remotely wipe it. So it, it's very, very difficult. Um, it just literally depends on, on what's happened. So Is it also the severity? I would imagine the crimes that are deemed more severe have not more attention. We should give yeah. every crime equal attention, but you know, yeah. the really bad stuff yeah. um, gets yeah. looked after. Yeah, and, and the officers can now do a lot of... Um, downloads on scene so they can be okay. sent out and, and do it there and then um so we can do it that way too did you have like training scenarios for them i know yeah some police scotland work where we've sort of devised you come into a hotel room and this is yeah, see, see if you can find out what's going on yeah yeah um they, they do do that i know a number of our northwest forces have got um, training suites where it'll be like a room set up as a crime scene what you're going to do and 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 go from there yeah um we actually, um, t- we, I helped them out with a, with a, and we can we can do it if you want to come along to some events with like a scenario for school children. Oh yeah. Uh, one of the well, just a sort of helped out Police Scotland to to do their their bits at a big event. You know when they went round a base and we made this scenario where um, a phone had been seized uh, and they came up and they gave me a whole big roll of crime tape. <laughs> so um, and then we had the, the sign in sheet and the gloves. Oh. So we marked them and whether they. They even thought about signing in. Quite a lot of them just jumped right over the tape. Let's take some points <laughs> off them for yeah. that. Uh, and they found basically my rucksack, and it had uh, had lockpicks in it. It had a little USB drive on a key ring that was dark, looked like Darth Vader, but was a USB drive. Uh, they had a phone. Uh, when they took the phone out, uh, there was a uh, micro SD inside it and if they looked on the usb drive i based it around the hatton garden robberies so if they looked on the usb drive they would i just found lots of pictures of safes that had been broken (laughs) into Uh, and down the bottom was um was a silly meme about a password not being a password um and then on the card was another password and we said that we'd seized a server and here was the evidence on it and if they put those two passwords together and it unlocked the answer. Oh, wow. So it was just a little 30 yeah. minute. I'll give it to you. I'll, yeah, I'll give you the stuff brilliant. for it. But it was good because you know, I didn't expect them to know it. Yeah. But you just took them through the process. And the idea was to kind of not just do an event and contribute, but also 
you know, really much to my friend Eamon Keane at Police Scotland. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're going to get Eamon on at some oh, point. He's, he's, he's on secondment to the Scottish Business Resilience yeah. Centre, and I yeah. actually spoke to him last night. So um, he, um, he said, you know, when you go out, Paul, and you talk to people, um, can you always spread the message that, okay, yeah, you can go corporate and earn megabucks, but we collectively as a country need your help. Maybe consider joining something like the police force, doing X amount of time to help out, and then by all means go off and go into business. And actually, if you do that, business really really want you because they want fraud protection officers that have police background and police training don't they so it's a career path yeah it definitely is and we're always recruiting for specials as well so special police officers who who will come in and donate their time okay so tell me about that because i've been banging on in scotland that we need this and i don't think we've ever got around to doing it yet i could be wrong but you you told me that you have them so what's a what's a special police officer and what's a a cyber special was the way that we, we called it. Yeah, so they are cyber specials. So it's you ask to be attached. You'll say you'll donate however much time you can um, and you will be attached to the high-tech crime unit or in we've got um, students who've come into our office in the Northwest Regional Organised Crime Unit um, and they just donate their times and ideas that they're bringing up mm-hmm. and, uh, are, are amazing and we definitely do need more of that. The National Crime Agency, they've got a big programme for cyber specials as well I'm not quite sure I'm sure the other forces have oh so I know um Lanks they have got um a, a group of cyber specials that come in um and they go out and do deliver training for them um and they'll go to like cadets and um any youth clubs and things like that and they, they deliver training there what's that training is it a stay safe online training yeah is it a, a bit of everything bit really of cyber bullying training yeah but also your phishing emails your ransomware so right. a bit of all of all of it um gmp has just recruited a, a load of um people to be on a call center for the over 60s oh that's a good thing yeah they, I mean, people won't realise um, they they are specifically targeted. Yeah, they are quite horrendously by these. We are your bank, and yeah. please give us your details. And okay, I'm not saying the over sixties are not computer savvy because you know they are wise to frauds. But you know some of the stuff where they've got your phone number as well, yeah. and they suddenly you know it's more sophisticated. You get the text message saying. In a minute, we are going to phone you about your account. Just yeah. the the lengths that these criminals will go to to prove their legitimacy is quite amazing. Yeah. Have you got a figure in your head for how much cybercrime costs? I mean, it's in the billions. Yeah, it is. It is billions. Um, and, well, I was before I came here um, today, I was just gave a presentation, and there was about 12 people in the room. Two of them said that their grandparents have been scammed. One is 93-year-old, and it... Um, it was a HMRC scam saying oh, that's going you were worth yeah, yeah you yeah. were worth three thousand pounds, but you need to pay it in Bitcoin. So she said, "Well, I don't know how to pay it in Bitcoin." So they said, "Okay, so they helpfully told yeah. her how to pay it." In well, Bitcoin. no, they said, "Okay, go to the supermarket and buy three thousand pounds worth of um, PlayStation and iTunes vouchers and come back and give us the codes." So she went wow. to the um, the supermarket. And it was able to get fifteen hundred pounds worth of them. 
in the supermarket didn't think this was... No, but we are. We have... And the done... bank card didn't think this was an abnormal transaction either? No. Well, not when she's done it now. But we, we, have, we are doing work, and our national team are doing work with supermarkets to say, don't let people buy this amount of um, gift cards all in one go, especially if they're elderly. But Who, who buys more than 10 gift cards? And I know. Maybe double it at Christmas time, but... That's, I know. You just. I don't. would stop someone doing that. Yeah, but a, a lot of the elderly victims who we speak to are so convinced that that was HMRC on the phone that they won't stop at getting it. They will go in a few times to different cashiers and and they'll be like, "No, I've got to pay it. That you know, you can't stop me." Type of thing. They are Londoning themselves yeah. at that point. Essentially, yeah. that's. That's terrifying. That's sad, isn't it? It really is. Mm. And is there any kind of recourse for these people? I mean, how does the... When they approach their, their bank and say this has happened? A lot of the time, people don't report it. Embarrassment? Yeah. And also because they're not really sure who they should report it to. The banks really can't do anything because you've paid that money, you've authorised that transaction. Okay, so Jenny, when, when this kind of fraud that we've been speaking about happens, let's get it nice and clear... Who do you report these all these crimes to? Take, take me through that process. So it's Action Fraud, who are the National Fraud and Cybercrime Reporting Centre. Um, you can do this in a few ways. So you can report online um, and fill out the form, or you can give them a ring. Um, if it's a crime in action, that's something that's happening there and then. So you have had um, ransomware attack, a hacker, a DDoS... Make sure you phone them and press option nine. You'll then get put through to an operator who will talk you through um, how it's going to be escalated and it will hopefully come to the force or the the region to investigate. Um, We do encourage people to just report, even if you think, "Mm, that wasn't really anything bad. Um, I haven't been scammed, but it it just doesn't sit right with me. I haven't lost anything. Please still report to them. Just report online. The more... I've got a reason for why I would want people to do that, but what's, what's your reason for wanting that to happen? Because the more we report, the more we can help everybody and let them know about the threat. And also, the more we report, the more the government's got to invest in, in keeping us safe. Exactly. The more we report, the bigger the statistics are, yeah. therefore we'll get the funding to, yes, to try definitely. and combat it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's just fraud. Uh, what about... That's fraud and cybercrime. Fraud and cybercrime? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what about... Um, let's do a few scenarios... What about um, social media bullying, for example? Um, what about re- that? Report that to your local police force um, and they'll be able to give you the advice on what you need to do with regards to that. So that includes threats and stalking and, and that kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, most of it, they, the, most of the time they might may say to you, um, go to Action Fraud, you need to report there if it's quite an old job or if it's if it's not something that's actually happening there but if your life is in danger or you are really concerned over something then definitely phone your local police force okay and don't turn your phone off no No. (laughs) take screenshots of of evidence if you need to okay jerry so you know that's that's crime and cyber crime and ransomware but i think we would you know not be doing the subject proper justice if we didn't talk about the other side of it there's certainly a darker side to this kind of stuff, which is taking up police time. And I think we all know what we're talking about. We'll just call it indecent images yeah. for the sake of the conversation. But, um, you know, can you can you, can you you shed any light on on that? And particularly, you know, 
how the police deal with it. So indecent images was a large part of the role of the high-tech crime unit. See, I've heard it takes up a very significant amount of time. Yeah. For every the 10 indecent images jobs, there was one fraud job that came into the unit. Um, And you've got um, our geeky gods who are trawling through them images constantly, which is horrendous. I mean, just so people know, because I think, you know, I I believe that these things are rated on 1 to 10, you know, with implied threat going right up to the the worst thing you can think of. Yeah. And again, like the seizing somebody's phone, somebody's got to sit and and grade that stuff. Yeah, they do. Um, They have to say whether they, what, how bad the scale of the image is, the video is. And Um, it's not just a judgment, it's, you know, there is a set of rules that ties it to a number. Yeah, there is. Um, I think they've changed it now, so instead of numbers, it's um, alphabet. Um, So it's like ABC, I think, is what it it is. Um, And yet, officers have to sit there. So there is automatic um, tools that will scrape through all of them pictures. Ah, but see, the important one, sorry to interrupt you, but my belief is, yeah, I know that if I went back 10 years ago and I was talking to them, they would say, yeah, we've got to do it all manually. And I remember sitting there going, look, we could just hash all of these. And then you would know the ones that had come in that were duplicates and they went, that's a really good idea because it's the ones that aren't duplicates that we need to talk about. Yeah. yeah. So do you do you want to go on this? Or yeah. Shall I? Um, yeah, it is the the images that no one's seen before and how do we find out where that person is? Um, how do we identify that room? And it's simple things like if the child might have a, um, a, a school jumper on, we can get that image of that school, school jumper tie in the yeah something very small even like unusual posters that are in the background um or unusual patterns of clothing we've been able to identify from that way as well um obviously it's getting harder and harder um because it's you you know you've got the dark web and things like that which are hiding a lot of the things yeah, and they are really sophisticated people think that people commit these crimes are just taking it and, and texting to each other, you know. No. Some of these forums that these people go on don't just share the images, but have a whole guide on how to use encryption and, you know, how to do it securely. Yeah. It's dis- disgusting. Yeah, it is. Um, and what frustrates me the most is that we spend an awful lot of time with the offenders who are just collectors. I will. That, 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 it's like you read my mind because <laughs> the next thing I was going to say was yes, it's very, very important to yeah. to find the people that are producing this stuff. Yeah. But I think I'm right in saying that you also want to get in. Well, you want to stop it completely, but you want to get intervention at the point of collecting. Yeah. Because the statistical odds of the becoming a contact offender. Yeah. If they've got a large because the collection doesn't satisfy them, yeah. so they go out and. Do and, it themselves. Yeah, and there is normally a pattern of how their sexual behaviour changes and what they like to look at. Do they like more and more extreme stuff? Yeah, the... and it, they can't get the satisfaction off certain things, and they, that's how the progression will go. And does it progress into grooming and things like that? Does it go, does it follow that route, or is that too naive of a, a view? Um, to be honest, I'm not sure how far that that um, goes on because I think a lot of the time, because there's there is so many images and videos out there, they might not need to do that because of the variety that's there. But it's the people who 
are doing that, who are supplying um, these collectors that we need to get, really, because they're, they're the most dangerous. OK, so so what do we do about this? I know you don't have a magic answer, but how do we combat it? I think maybe it's worth sort of releasing information about traits of, of possibly offenders, what they've had, how they have come to go on to looking at them types of images. And if it's more talked about of two people and we're not scared of speaking about it, then people will have an awareness and an understanding. Exactly the same with cybercrime and um, us talking about what phishing emails are and ransomware. It's We need to be talking about it. We can't just bury our heads and think, oh, you know, it's not for me to think about. It is. We all need to work together to protect each other. We have got a, a dark web team who... Um, They've just been created in all of the different rockies throughout the the um, country, and they're going to be looking at things similar to that, as well as drugs and guns and what's happening mm-hmm. um, out there. So we can definitely get more of a, an understanding of what investigations need to happen, what we need to be looking at, and, and and building up our intelligence picture a lot better. And that is to apprehend offenders rather yeah. than just to take down these sites because yeah. you take, take one down, another one pops up. It's not an easy conversation no. to have. I think you'd hit the nail on the head by saying we do need to talk about it. Yeah. I'm glad that we did because it's not comfortable, but no. if we just talked about credit card fraud, it wouldn't be very interesting. <laughs> okay, Jenny, well, look, thank you. Personally, thank you so much for telling us about that side of things. Um, I thought at the start that we do need to talk about it, and it's great to hear you yeah. say it. So let's put that to one side, let's move on, and let's talk about the current role that you're doing. So I work for the North West Regional Organised Crime Unit. I couldn't say that. <laughs> now, let's be honest, it used to be called Titan. I'm going to maintain <laughs> that Titan was a better name. Yeah, I agree. But the powers that be decided that the North West Regional Organised Crime Unit was a much snappier name, so we decided well, you just to got, go You just come straight out and trips off the tongue when you yes. see it. <laughs> do you have to practice? All the time. <laughs> I always still say Titan as well. I do miss it. <laughs> um... So yes, I went. Oh, Northwest Rockview is the other. Oh, that's good. Do you know why why it's called Rockview? Regional Organised Crime Unit, Rockview. How very interesting. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Go on. You know what a password list is? What? A password list. You know, just list yeah. of passwords. Inside Cali Linux, yeah, which is our kind of core go-to penetration yeah. testing system, and of course, bad guys use it as well. It's, yeah. You always use the gun analogy. Um, inside Cali Linux. There is one main password file. It is, I think it's got 1.4 million passwords in it. It came from a very early dump from a forum. So it's got password, password123, God, and, you know, and so yeah. on. Um, it's not the biggest or the most comprehensive one. It's just the one that's bundled in to that, that distribution. We've got ones that have 6 million, 10 million, and the, the name of that file is Rockyou. Oh? Yeah. Oh, look, I'll show you. Well. That's an interesting coincidence. Yeah. Maybe you I'll can ca- capitalise on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's in Cali Linux. Go back to your Geek Gods. Yeah, I will. And say, I'll write this down for you. Go to slash user slash share slash word lists. Show me what's in that directory and you'll see a file called Rock You. Yeah. Wow. Ooh. Spooky. You know. <laughs> it's all coming together. Yeah. yeah. So I interrupted you there. So tell me, tell me about the role and the current role. So I work within the cybercrime unit and my role is about educating businesses and members of the public on all the free 
guidance and advice and what they can do to protect themselves from the threat of cybercrime. And, you know, what, what, what is the free guidance and advice? What, what are you doing? So take five before you click on anything. So this could be five seconds, five hours, five minutes. Just don't five respond. Five cups of tea. Yes, it could be. Um, just don't respond when you get an email that you don't know who it's from or you get an unusual phone call um, or a, a phishing email. Um message text message or anything like that so that's the government's campaign about taking five um also the government are really pushing for people to have a separate password for every single one of their um logins and a strong one at that and also for to do... every single one yes See, I, I would argue that's not practical i know a lot of people say that um i say your banking, Bank. pa- banking password has to be completely and utterly unique. Your email yeah. password has to be completely and utterly yeah. unique and has to have two-factor authentication yeah. turned on. Your Facebook, your Twitter, you know, the core kind of stuff, Yeah, they need to be as unique as you can you can do make them. them. Yeah. And then you can get into the argument of, do you need a lot of letters or should we have a long passphrase? That's that's completely debatable and we've, yeah. had, we've had that conversation before. And then I say, you know, if you're just signing up to buy something or look at something, sign up for a, a, you know, getting sent emails. Yeah. And you're not putting your core details into that system. Yeah, or your bank details or anything like that. Yeah. you can have a kind of lower one. Yeah. But if that gets breached, they're going to throw it at your LinkedIn and your Twitter yeah. and your bank. So the, you have to figure out what's important, make them unique, and then maybe consider a password manager if you want to make everything yeah. unique. Yeah, definitely. Um, the government wants us to all walk around strong, with 20 character yeah. passwords. Strong, long passwords. <laughs> okay, strong but the, the main ones that they are pushing for is your email account and your bank. What's important. Um, yeah. And doing your, your update. So the, the... But let's be honest, that it's not, it's not because your email... People might think um, your email password needs to be long because it's the way I send messages to people. Let's just be clear. Your email password needs to be long and secure because that's how you reset all yeah. the other things that you have access to. Yeah, definitely. And also in your email account, you might have your CV. If you've sent that on to um, apply for any jobs, you might have copies of your passport or your driving licence. The criminal got that. They've got everything they need to commit frauds in your name, haven't they? So, um, so yeah, so the the government's campaign is have a strong long password and do your updates and if people do them two simple steps then the majority of cybercrime will be prevented we're trying to start small might make small changes like you know keep britain tidy how long did that take to to make the changes so it's about making small things and and do making people make them changes yeah and the other kind of message i hear when i hear Everyone from GCHQ to NCSC to the NCA on, on the radio and the television is, we're all in it together. Yeah. It's not just to defend us. Every time you secure your own stuff, you're actually, by extension, securing other people around you. Because if someone gets into that email account, the very first thing they do is they start sending emails to everybody you know posing as you. Yeah. So, you know, it's everyone's responsibility to take this kind of stuff seriously it is we can't we can no longer leave it to our best mates who are dead good with computers or our it departments we've got state responsibility we need to know what the threats are and work work together to combat them and it is about talking about what's happened i can guarantee when i do um i'm sure you know paul as well when we do um our talks there's at least 
seven people who'll be like, oh yeah, that happened to me, I've been scammed with this, I've done that. I deliberately use examples to make the audience realise yeah. that it happens to them. Yeah. yeah. And there is no shame in it, you know. It should be, oh, they did get me, you know, or I was probably feeling a little bit vulnerable, or it was a Monday morning or a Friday afternoon when we know criminals will try and get us, and um, I just clicked on it. Tell someone about it just so they don't do and make the same mistake as you. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you the, the story that I wanted to tell you at the start. Or, oh, just before Christmas, a uh, family friend phoned up and she said, uh, my, my computer's been hacked into I said, okay. And she was in tears. You know, I said, talk me through what happened. And it was, uh, it was one of her sons, and she's okay with me saying this. She wants people to know this story. It was one of her sons who was on what essentially is their dad's Mac, and he was looking at YouTube videos of game controllers. Yeah. And an advert came up, and he maybe had a discount or something, and he clicked on that, and it took him to another site. Uh, a warning message flashed up to let him continue um, and he clicked on it and I never quite figured this out but th- then he, she got a phone call it was the old tech support you have a, a virus phone call and she said, Paul, I knew I shouldn't do it but the minute it happened and I said, don't tell me a lot of boxes whizzed up on the screen and things started to go haywire and she went, yeah, and I just <laughs> she she, in this case, I think she did the right thing, and I didn't know what to do, so I just turned it off. Yeah. And I said, okay, look, I wanted to have a weekend off cyber, but I will I will come on Saturday morning, and I will sit and look at it for you. And I'm not a Mac expert, but I was really surprised to find that a lot of the Linux stuff that I know, because Mac is based on Linux, I could actually start finding out things. Uh, we never really got down to There was no way to see what had been transferred out at any point in time. But what I did find... Was that Mac had um, one user account that was their dad's and he had work stuff on it and then the boys were going on it and just looking at things left, right and centre. I said, right, stop this. First thing I'm going to do after I'd figured out the extent of the damage and made sure there was nothing kicking about that shouldn't be already in there, I was like, okay, turn off your home router and then we'll turn it back on. We'll bring it up slowly, or monitor it, and we'll see if there's anything that we don't expect. And slowly we will turn on all the devices in the house. Um, I'm going to change the password on your router. How do I do that? Okay, well, you pull up a browser, you go to 192.168.0.1, and the instructions are on the back. And said, I didn't know you could change, change that. that. I said, okay, that's fine. Let me see this Mac. Right, I'm making you an account, you an account, and you an account. And you're going to have different passwords for each account, and I'm going to put the parental control lock on the two boys' accounts, and nobody is jumping on one computer on one account ever again in this house. And I went round everything else that they had and locked it all down. And it wasn't complicated stuff. But she said, I didn't know this was possible. I wouldn't know how to do it. And a couple of weeks went by... And I gave her a phone. And I also said, report it to Action Fraud. Maybe consider going to your police station just just so the crime gets recorded as an incident, as yeah. we said. Um, and I phoned her and I said, you know, how are you doing? Are you feeling better? Anything dodgy on your your credit cards? Have you been watching them just to be in the safe side? Yep, it's all good. So she was lucky. And she said, you know, I've been speaking to other mums and dads in the playground and they didn't know... Yeah. That was possible, and I said, to her, "Okay, I do not have time before Christmas." <laughs> to 
Would you like me to come to a PTA meeting? And it won't be a stay safe online thing. I will just take you through all the things that you are likely to have in your house and show you how to check that they're okay. So I haven't done that yet, but I'm going to go and do it. And my kind of plan is not just to do it once, but to record it down into a nice PDF or something, find a way to give it away to people. Because they, they don't know. Their kids are more technical yeah. and more re- but more reckless than the average parent is. I know. I'm glad that you've mentioned about an Apple product as well because we have so many people who go, you can't do anything to Apple, can you? It's, it's definitely secure. And we're like, no, you can't. So I'm glad that that was a good Apple story. I think I'll pinch that off you to you tell can, people. You can Thank have you. it. I'm going to get round to writing it out or share, or share it with Oh, you. brilliant. But I don't know if you know about the NSPCC and O2 partnership. All right, OK. So they've got a free helpline that anyone can phone. It's mostly aimed at parents, and they will talk you through mm-hmm. how to do things like that. So if you get a new laptop, they'll explain how to set it all up. Um, and if, you, if you're if worried about what your kids are doing, putting parental settings on, they'll talk you through all that. I think which have a guide as well... Lloyds have those digital eagle yeah, people. Yeah. So, you know, the help is out there. Yeah. So, you know, Jenny, what's what's the future going to be? I've looked at the present. What do you think is going to happen in the future in your, your role and the landscape that you work with? I feel like I'm le- leaving on a bit of a bum note, but it's only going to get worse. And my only positive thing to say is we need to please work together and share... Um, our advice, guidance and talk to people about what's happened so that we can educate each other and work together so that we are one of the safest places to socialise and work um, in the world. That's that's not a bum note, that, that's that's an inspirational point. OK, oh. it's going to get worse, but if we work together... Yeah, we can get we can, through we it. We can get through it. Definitely. OK, Jenny, thank you so much for being on. I really genuinely enjoy talking to you. And you. Uh, and listeners, thank you so much for listening to us. And as always, until we meet again, have a secure day.